When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here I am, an average teenager, you may think. But you couldn't be more wrong. I am the founder of Mayhem, the most infamous black metal band in the world. We are the lords of chaos. You guys suck. Mom, tell her to get out. Life was easy back then. It was all about having fun, drinking beer. Playing hard and loud music. And then everything changed. Varg, the lone wolf. I hereby appoint you bass player of mayhem. We have to take this to the next level. Hey, you said it yourself. We should burn them all down. If you do this, we're f He did it. Not split. A terror has swept across Norway. The police have described the murder as extremely violent. <laughs> Either you do it for the cause, and you take action, or you do it because you want attention. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> the suspect known as the Count has You pretend to be my friend, so you can hit me off guard? Why do you care about him so much? I thought you were true Norwegian black metal. I invented it. And now you betray it. No. You had this dream, this vision. You were in control. You were a leader. You still be all of those things if you wanted to. Everyone around you are disgusting little incense. Let's go! Hi, welcome to Horror versus Reality. I'm Anna, and this is Morgan. Hi. And, <laughs> and boy, do we have a show for you today. So I and Morgan, Morgan and I did a shit ton of research for this, and I'm just going to go ahead and do uh, trigger warnings at the top because this was hard for us to get through. And in fact, I already knew most of this stuff. I just wanted to be able to say that, you know, like I read a book and did proper research and not just hearsay. But yeah, reading descriptions of the crimes are super graphic. There will be graphic depiction of suicide, murder, hate crimes. <laughs> 
It's going to be a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. We're going to be in the trenches today, folks. I know you already saw the title when you clicked in your podcast app on this episode, but today's episode is 2018's Lords of Chaos versus the rise of the black metal scene. Yeah. (laughs) Specifically in Norway. Norwegian black metal. True Norwegian black metal. (laughs) And this is primarily about the band Mayhem, but it is also about, and just the scene in and of itself. I've actually been to a Mayhem concert, and I was going to go to my second Mayhem concert in Manhattan in 2020, but uh, the funniest thing happened. Oh, what was that? <laughs> oh, it was COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I got my money back, and I didn't get to see them, and I don't know when they're coming back to America. I might not even like concerts and have tinnitus by the time that happens, so who knows? (laughs) I'm so old. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you never know, man. I was, like, blowing my eardrums out listening to uh, their debut album while I was writing all this. And, like, when I took my headphones out, my ears were literally, like, ringing and vibrating from the guitar work. Yeah, like, when I was reading this, my hair instantly turned black and my skin, like, turned very pale white. Like, I'm all the way in it. (laughs) Yeah, I, when I was writing up uh, a particular description that we'll get into in my portion, I'm doing the crime today, Morgan's doing the movie. We're swapping and swapping in. Yeah, it's a role reversal. But when I was doing some of the research and writing it up, I kind of started to black out in bed because it was so graphic. <laughs> so, yeah, those are your warnings, folks. Yeah. Oh, there's another warning for people with epilepsy. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Are flashing throughout this movie and some scenes. The concert scenes definitely needs, like, a a warning for people with epilepsy or any kind of, like, visual neurological diseases. Yeah, very true. So if you guys decide to go watch this and that's a problem for you, just keep that in mind. Also, just up front, there is, in the movie, Cat Death. Does the cat die? Oh, fuck. Yeah, and the uh, raven. Yeah. And the fox. Yeah, yeah, there's... Well, the fox was just roadkill, though, right? Like, we didn't see yeah, it Yeah, but there's, there's dead animals. There's a lot of dead animals. You don't see... I don't think you outrightly see any die, do you? There's just no. a lot of dead animals. But this we know animals. that... But we know that one of the characters definitely killed at least one of these. Yeah. So, there's that. And, yeah, so, Morgan, I guess we're just going to dive on in. Dive on in. Dive on in. Yeah, this is... This is, like, really hard. All of this was a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, And I mean, huh? Oh, I was going to say, imagine my surprise when I just started getting into black metal and then I found all this out after I had liked the music. (laughs) Yeah, and as I was, like, doing research on Jonas Ackerland, the director, I didn't go to Bathory or... Mayhem. I went back to a more innocent time in my high school years, and I was listening to like Opeth and all those death metal bands that I for a little while. Okay, I did also listen to Bathory because Nordland One and Two are just straight bangers of albums, and <laughs> I couldn't pass, I couldn't pass that up. 
Yeah, I did. I mean, I did listen to it. Metal albums. Yeah, I I did listen to Bathory couple. I can't remember the songs. It was just like the the number one songs on on um, Spotify. So yeah, I just dove and I just did the whole album because it's it's supposed to be listened as an album, not as a you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's an it's an epic Viking adventure. Shit, the whole man. album, fucking awesome. Man, I should go back, but I want to go. I wish I could go back in time and listen to all these albums like all the way through. Like you know, I was working a lot, so I couldn't blast Norwegian black metal at the nurses' station. Um, sure. I think people would be really upset. But if wow. I could. I do have a treat for you. I'm making a Spotify playlist for this episode to be listened to uh, as a companion to the episode. <gasps> that is so fucking epic. I mean, it's such a musical episode. How can I not? Wow. So, so I'm going to get a link to that in our show notes. And, you know, go listen to some Norwegian black metal. This is why I just stick to folk singing, because I can't do that with my voice, man. You can't do this. Like, you know, as much as I'd love to be able to sound, like, dead when he sings, it's more like a Joni Mitchell situation over here, (laughs) just being honest. Okay, so we'll dive in. All right, let's dive in. All right, so Lords of Chaos was uh, released in 2018, and it actually had a lot of, like, controversies surrounding this movie. So many were pissed, including Varg, who is, uh, like, Anna will go into that, but he is released from prison. Um, He was not happy about this being released at all. Because it makes him look weak. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Makes him look like a poser. It does make him look like a weak-ass poser. Yeah, I don't want to go into much about Varg because he is released from prison. <laughs> and um, I'll get us. into it, but he's a scary fellow. Yeah, yeah, you'll get into that. Mm-hmm. But um, this was directed by Jonas. Ockerland. And if you are familiar with the Norwegian black metal scene, he was the former drummer drummer of Bathory. He was in the band from 1983 to 1984. And according to Wikipedia, it's considered to be, you know, Swedish black metal. And he was that band was more of the introduction to Viking metal as they called it. Like uh like I was just saying, Nordland one or two are totally seminal Viking metal albums. And definitely I would say, you know, their music inspired bands like Amon Amarth. Yeah. I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> Nod and shake your head. Yeah. I will, man. I will add them to the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it was a band, I was a song. <laughs> It's a a band. Shows you how much I know. In the FYE in the North Park Mall in Ridgeland, Mississippi, when you went in there and you were looking through the metal albums at the A's, instead of just saying A, it used to say Amana Marth is what real metal is. Don't you forget it or something like that. Oh, my God. I did 
realized, I didn't know this, but the death metal scene, don't hang me on a cross for saying this, but the death metal scene is, like, super gatekeepy. It's incredibly gatekeepy. Um, metal in general is incredibly gatekeepy. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, oh, that's not real metal. <laughs> like, whoa, they had a concert. Like, chill the fuck out, and people get upset. Like, in the movie, they they just get upset about, like, you know, doing these stunts and stuff. But it's like, but that's how you, aren't you? I think it's you know, I think like back in when people really took their metal, their specific metal scene really seriously, I don't feel like it's as serious as it used to be at the dawn of, say, these different genres. But there's a lot of infighting between the genres. Yeah, like, and like the 80s and 90s, it was like super serious to be serious. But yeah, also at the yeah. same time, it's like, dude, you just killed a cat. Like, yeah, it's like. <laughs> It's like, oh, that uh, that thrash metal is pussy shit. I listen to death metal, and it's like, oh, shut up. Yeah, like what? That's I that's the way they talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the hipsters of the metal version, I guess. I have to say that the horror community can be pretty gatekeepy as well, especially before, like I I would say, like before the two thousands, like when it was just nerdy mid-30s men that live in their mother's basements and have, like, huge collections of dusty VHSs. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, with the advent of the Internet, uh, they found out that us women like horror movies just as much as them. Thank you. Say it louder for the people in the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're here. We're screaming. And don't you forget it. Don't you forget all right anyway continue more so i would say that jonas ockerlin like he's he got out of the death metal scene because he said it was like too serious but i will say that like he did kind of stick to the metal scene with like much of his like his film debuts they were mostly metal i mean there was madonna and everything but he did he did produce a lot of music videos after getting out of Bathory. He started his videography career by recording music videos for major bands. Like he was the director of Madonna's Ray of Light, Metallica. Oh, yeah. And he also directed Metallica's Whiskey in a Jaro. That like, has got to be up there in my least favorite Metallica songs. It's yeah, me yeah, it's not it's not very good. And I rewatched the music video and it's like just shot in a living room and it's it's okay. Directing wise, I guess. It's it there's a lot going on. Um but Ray of Light is is actually a really good music video. For what's the word I'm looking for? For you emo fans out there, he also directed the I Miss You video for Blink-182. Yeah, and he also directed one of the greatest songs in the world's video. I'm just kidding. It's not the greatest song in the world, but Smack My Bitch Up by Prodigy. Um, Not only is that a great, fun song to dance to, not for its uh, deepness or anything, but the video is weirdly feminist. Yeah, I actually really like that music. That music video is amazing. So if you've never seen the music video, it's done all in POV, and it's like drunkenly throwing up, partying, 
like <laughs> the dude or groping, the does the coke. They get in a fight. They go to a strip club. They like pinch a nipple of a stripper, like slap a girl in the behind. They get thrown out of the bar. You can see them like doing coke in the bathroom and then vomiting all over the ground. Uh, yeah. They get kicked out of like five bars. They just create mayhem, if you will. Yeah. And then when they get home and they look in the mirror, it was a girl the whole time. Yeah. A very pretty girl. Yeah, and, and it turned it on. It was very unexpected because they definitely led you to believe that it was some misogynist male. Yeah, but because no. they're having sex with a girl, and you can't see anything below like their waist, but it looks like they're being like pounded, and you're like, ah, oh, he's like having sex with this girl. No, it's a woman having sex with another. Yeah, it's like some I don't know. I guess maybe um, just some hardcore scissoring. Yeah, <laughs> or <laughs> strap on. True. Could it, she could have a strap on. That's very true. Yeah, sure. like the whole time, you know, your brain is thinking, oh, this is a dude. And like sometimes it shows the hand and it is kind of a masculine hand. Like when they push the bouncer as the bouncer's like throwing them out. Um, I think so, it might have actually been a male hand just to further mislead you. Yeah. And then whenever they're washing their face off in the morning, you can see that it's a, a woman. Like they had the wildest night of their life. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was I, a fender. I fucking love that music video. It's like a short movie. Yeah, it is. And and he's really known to do like music shorts or like shorts. Like that's what he kind of started out as in his film career. Um, were just like little shorts or music videos, and a lot of them were, you know, like he did daylight for maroon five um there was a miss you by blink 22 i think he said that um pussy for romstein and mineland yeah and going to romstein romstein uh he actually did um that was one of his first films uh, if you will um in 2016 he made the romstein paris music documentary um that was like their fourth live video and then in their third live album um and he directed it um he also another movie that he made was uh polar which was released in 2019 i think it was shortly on um spot uh that netflix sorry it was released by netflix it um, was on netflix i watched it the day it dropped with, did you uh, like it i did i liked it i watched it with my friend kirsten um we talked through a lot of it but there were some parts that you could not not pay attention to and it's got like Mads Mikkelsen and Vanessa Hudgens and Matt Lucas it's got like a crazy cast that is wild like it's just so crazy to me that he went like you know from being a drummer in a Viking metal band to like recording pop videos because he's (laughs) he's done the cardigans my favorite game which is a really good music video and then he also did Canned Heat by Jamiroquai, Corruption oh, by I Iggy Pop. <laughs> yeah, he did Pussy Riot, Metallica, Lady Gaga, Kesha. Uh, Queens of the Sto- yeah, Queens of the Stone Age, Fergie, U2. Yeah, and Kelly Rowland, which was the <laughs> girl everybody She's forgets. She's another member of Destiny's Child. I think everyone forgets Michelle. It's Beyonce, Kelly, and then everyone forgets about Michelle. Was Michelle was the one that fell on stage, right? And they just leave her on the ground. Yes, (laughs) that's Michelle. 
I yeah. fucking love, I could watch that over and over. Like, she falls, they look at her, and they're like, mm, and then they just catwalk it out. And she's, like, <laughs> dying <laughs> on the ground. Uh, good stuff. He also did the, he also did the videography thing for Taylor Swift's 1989 World Tour Live. Yeah, so this guy has, like, you know, a career in filming these music videos, and so putting out Lords of Chaos in 2018 and Polar in 2019 that really just like solidified his career like he's hey, doing huh let's not forget that he directed fun <gasps> i was gonna get to that and i left it out i'm so sorry so fun if you haven't seen it is a fucking black comedy of meth heads and yeah. whenever i was in my drug days back oh, oh like many years of yore I would watch Spun while Spun. <laughs> and it's it's supposed to be like kind of an anti-drug movie. Yeah. And I actually love that movie. I could go on and on about that movie because it's actually based on the life of one of the participants, Spider. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. Like it has Jason Schwartzman, John Leguizamo, Minas Very, yeah, <laughs> Brittany Murphy, and, and Minas Very actually takes a shit on screen. Lovely. Yeah, and it's just one tiny turd. And Mickey Rourke, he's the cook. Uh, uh, oh, I was gonna say, and our and our boy Mickey Rourke, yeah. exactly. <laughs> he's the fucking cook. <laughs> that that movie, like how it's you know, filmed and everything with, you know, putting you in this headspace of just being all meth. I rewatched it sober and it makes you, it literally makes you feel like you're on speed. Yeah. It, like, uh, it, like with the head spinning scenes, because it cuts to like Jason Schwartzman like shaking his head back and forth. Oh my god, I could go on and on about this movie, but I won't. But I highly recommend Spun, and I think that really like put him into this light of hey, he's a really good director. I think he's a really great director. He, he is a good director. Yeah, he likes all the the weird human aspects, like mental health. Like, uh, most of his stuff is strange happenings of people, humans. Sure, I mean, I'm I'm into all that, too, so, I mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah so he's a pretty cool guy. I like him. Give him I give him a 10 out of 10. <laughs> so, yeah, and our, our front man, uh, Euronymous, that's played by Rory Culkin. I love Rory Culkin. He, Me you know, too. Yeah, he, he was the kid everybody remembers on um, Signs, but mm. like he started acting when he was like nine. But man, he stepped up on his movie career for real. Like he he's done a lot of like great work. He he was in Waco, Lords of Chaos. He's in the new, uh, well, it's not really new now, but 2018's Stephen King's and J.J. Abrams' Castle Rock. He was actually really great on that. He was in The Intruders, Scream 4, and, I mean, he's he's been on a lot of stuff. The, the Chum Scrubber, did you ever see that? I did see Chum Scrubber. <laughs> yeah, I actually really like that movie. Me too. Oh, it's so dark. But it that is a great movie. And I watched this like interview with him because he's he's really reclusive. He doesn't give many interviews. 
And in one interview, he said he would rather, like, instead of giving interviews and, like, being out, he would rather be inside playing with his cats laying on the couch. And apparently he has a lot of cats. He He is... He is a man after my own heart because I know not not Don't only tell Andrew. I know. Not only does he love cats, but like the way he looks with the long hair, tall and skinny, like that is literally my type. Yes. <laughs> and in another great movie that he's in, but he was he was just a child. He started with his brother Kieran Culkin is Igby Goes Down. Which is kind of a way for them to have a film version of Catcher in the Rye without it being Catcher in the Rye because, you know, Salinger would never give the film right. Fuck yes. It's it's so great. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I I uh, I remember watching it at Anna's house. On Not you. It- Are you talking to the third person? <laughs> no, I'm talking about our mutual acquaintance. Oh. I've watched it at her house on like HBO while she was asleep or something, like on the couch. <laughs> Swear to God. <laughs> yeah, he he's been at a lot of great stuff. Even from like you know being a child actor into like being an adult. But I I had one fact um, that I I had watched this interview. I can't remember. It's a hip hop radio show um, that he gave an interview to, which is really rare because he just likes to stay at home. It's called Sway's Universe. I'm not into the hip hop community. But you may know who Sway is. I do. I not. do. You do. Sway. Yes. Sway was a VJ for MTV. Oh. Okay. I I didn't Google him, but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, um, lucky I just happened to just know who he is off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. It and it's it's crazy because he you know he talks about his cats, talks about his wife, um, and that he doesn't really like to give interviews, and he really likes to do uh, movies that talk about the human experience, anything odd or out of the ordinary. He said he's like on board with. Um, yeah. He really likes psychological kind of things, which makes sense from what his uh, filmography is like. Um, but they were saying, like, whenever he was giving in the description of him getting into character, seems like he's a method actor, and he gets really into the part, because he was saying he was called in, calling himself the, the Prince of Darkness and, like, the Lord of Chaos, and he, <laughs> he referred to himself as Satan during the filming, and he said he, he was like, it was great to be in this, this role, because I... You know, like, I'm quiet and reserved and everything, but I got into this role and I'm looking in the mirror and say, like, you're the Satan. Like, you're <laughs> Satan. Like, Lord of Chaos. And so he said he would get pumped up and, like, go on film. And he said he apologizes to all of his coworkers. He's like, I probably was, like, a psycho on, on set the whole time. But during the filming, they they were like, well, what the fuck do you dream about? And he said during the filming, he actually had a dream where, yeah, Eronimus came to him in a dream. And he said, you know, I'm not sure if he gave me his blessing or not, but he did come to me. And he was talking about how he didn't realize that he had been dead. And he said, I thought I had a wife and children, and I thought I was living a normal life until recently I realized that I was dead. And so 
he was like smiling and stuff with him. And then he said after he, he woke up from the dream, he actually had to film the scene where he dies. <laughs> and he was like, it was a total mind fuck going to, going from speaking to Aronimus to actually reliving his death <laughs> the same yeah. day. Wow. So. Yeah, that was pretty pretty neat interview about his experience on the set and stuff. Yeah, so that was our front man. And then our the previous lead singer was played by Jack Kilmer. Yeah. Aronimus is a guitarist, but Dead was the lead singer yeah. that had come in later in the band like happenings or birthing but he huh a few years in yeah he was played by jack kilmer yes you know that's val kilmer's boy that's his little baby (laughs) yeah which i had no idea he existed because i never saw any of the movies he played in before this one um with that long blonde hair Mm. i know Ooh, you could eat him up couldn't you (laughs) <laughs> like except for the guy who plays Varg, sorry. Yeah, uh, I no. can eat most of them up. They're look, very like, Norwegian. Look, look, <laughs> look, there's nothing I like more than a tall, skinny white boy who's vaguely androgynous with long hair and likes metal music. Like that is my type. Yeah, that is type. That's your type. Yo, type. Get it yeah. right. Yo, type. That's my type. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I actually was looking at all of these men. Guys. I like ladies too. <laughs> just of men. Your type <laughs> is me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but this he he's like he's such a good actor, and I, I hated that he wasn't in the whole movie. <laughs> well, you know these things happen. Yeah. So he's known for 2016's The Nice Guy. Uh, 2013's Palo Alto and 2015's The Stanford Prison Experiment, which I really want to watch. Have you seen it? I haven't, but we, but I know about the case and we may cover it at some point. I would love to cover it because I did research on this when I was in my, uh, nursing ethics class. Um, I went real deep into this. We'll pop it down the pipeline. Yeah, it was it was like an an ethics class. We had to choose like a case of like medical ethics, and I chose the Stanford Prison Experiment. And man, is it fucked! It is fucked. It's pretty um, fucked up. Yeah, they so, re- they've reenacted the Stanford Prison Experiment on several TV shows, including Veronica Mars. I, and what's crazy is like they do this on like fucking reality shows. Mm-hmm. They do. It's terrifying. Like, Mm -hmm. take that power and use it for something good. (laughs) Yeah. Stop making crap TV where your fucking people are tortured and then people are like, oh, yeah, schadenfreude. I get off on that shit. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, he, like, like you said, he is the son of Val Kilmer. And he, he was on Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Which is a great movie with Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, so I had seen it, but I didn't know that he played on it. He was like a kid in that movie. Yeah, I had no idea. Like, that was his kid. Well, uh, yeah, I didn't know at the time, but I mean, I I know now. (laughs) Yeah, then going 
on to this little hot cake that Anna is in love with. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we'll go on to uh, Varg's character, who's played by Emery Cohen. Yeah, he was, he played, man, he's a really good actor, too. But I, like, cannot stand him in this movie. Well, they make him as unlikable as possible. Yeah. I, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I hate this Which, guy. given what I know about Varg, accurate. Yeah. Yeah. From what I've read, I'm like, pretty accurate. Um, yeah. But he's known for 2015's Brooklyn, 2012's The Place Beyond the Pine. Oh, I saw that movie. I saw that yeah. in theaters. Yeah, he's DJ. Um, so he had to be pretty young in this movie, I'm assuming. Um, I don't know <laughs> if he played a big role in it, but he is listed in a uh, character. Is it a good movie? Yeah, it stars Ryan Gosling as like a bank robber. What? Oh, that's hot. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and his wife, Eva Mendez, plays his wife in the movie, too, I believe okay yeah he's so i randomly saw it at the malco in madison just like for kicks they played that there well yeah like i think that was the only place it was playing because it was considered like an art house film oh yeah extra thing yeah art art. yeah he's he's like way down in the credits but he does have a name um aj so i have no idea like i can't tell you what he did in that movie yeah, I have I to. I'd have to look at a picture of him from the movie and like then look at him now. <laughs> yeah, he. It doesn't seem like he had like many really big parts until this movie because all of the movies he's listed on, he's pretty like far down in the credits. Um, but he's establishing himself as an actor, and I commend him for like what he's played in, and especially on this fucking movie. He, like, blows it. Uh, like, it. I don't mean blow it, but he, like, blew it out of the water, like, for how he acted. And, and he was so good because he's, like, awkward and tries to play hard. And then he's, like, psycho, but, like, poser. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So many emotions. It's a really good job. Oh, yeah. It's a roller coaster. And then there is Amarit. They never really say her name. She's the photographer chick. They say her name at the very beginning. I can't remember which character does it, but he introduces Anne-Marie to Euronymous. He's like, this is Anne-Marie. Oh, I was, like, trying to find her name, and I had to, like, Google it, because I was like, I just wrote her name as photographer chick in my notes. (laughs) Uh, She's barely important in the film, and she doesn't exist in reality at all. Oh, really? She's a character that was made purely for the movie. Wow. So she... She was kind of like the angel on his shoulder, being like, what the fuck are you doing, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And wasn't interested. <laughs> yeah, you, I guess she was the Delilah to his Samson, if you will, if mm. you want to go biblical on this shit. <laughs> so, Sky Fer- Ferreira? Ferreira. Um, Fer- I think it's Ferreira. Ferreira. She's been in a few films. I do not Isn't recognize her. she also like her. a singer? Mm. She's an actress and a composer, but I don't know what she composed. Okay, I've heard her name in the music world before. Like She has a grungy style, according to IMDb. Um, That's true. Her teeth look gross in this movie. Yeah, I think she has a fake 
front too. It's like dark. Yeah, uh-huh. it was like dark. It was like coffee stained or discolored. It was gross looking. Yeah, it looks like she has like a fake tooth and then just like age. I don't know. She's she's interesting. I don't really know much about her other than she's from LA and she's played in just a few movies, minor parts. She was in um 2013's The Green Inferno, uh oh. Baby Driver. Oh, did you like No, remember I mentioned this before on the podcast. The Green Inferno is one of the horror films that I fainted in. Really? Is that the one that you fainted in? Yes, because it's basically a remake of Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she, I don't know if she's like a main character because I couldn't find, um, she's Casey? She's just like she's just like part of a gang of students that go on an ecological like protest thing in a place that they didn't belong. And uh yeah, bad things happen to almost yeah. all, every character. So she's the one I think who gets pulled out of the bus by the cannibals mm. and they put her in the canoe. Okay. Um that's what I saw in the pictures of her listed in the film is her like looking pretty dead in a canoe. Yeah. Um, I think, and she's I getting think pulled out of a bus. Yeah, I think like only one girl survives that movie. Yeah, I don't think she does. Yeah, but I don't yeah, think it's, so. it's with Eli, it's Eli Roth's movie. So uh, yeah. yeah, I need to re I need to watch this movie because it seems pretty pretty intense. It was alright. It was alright. Um I just like there's like a I don't remember what was happening in the scene. I just like needed to pee and I got up. We were outside in like a she shed situation and I got up. I went inside to go to the bathroom and I passed out somewhere in the kitchen <laughs> and and their their parents like found me and were like, "Hey, are you okay?" Oh my god. Yeah. Was it from like not breathing? I don't know. Are you like I, bageled down? You just like squeeze so hard. Like, I don't feel like I was. I don't feel like I was squeezing because I was just like, "I'll be right back, guys. I'm fine. <laughs> I just, I need to just need to go pee." And then, like, I think I just started thinking about all the stuff that was going on in the movie. And the next thing I know, they're waking me up off the kitchen floor. Oh Lord! Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. If it was me that found you, I'd just fucking sternal rub the shit out of you and be like, "Anna, get the fuck up!" <laughs> ah. <laughs> Sorry, I love you, Anna, but I hate when people faint. <laughs> Get please, remind me to, please remind me to never faint over you. Yeah, please don't faint in front of me. Okay. I'll turn you in the rescue position and just fucking sternal rub the shit out of you. <laughs> Get the fuck up, Anna. All right. I'm gonna wear I love a you, bull- Anna. But... I'm going to wear a bulletproof vest. <laughs> I'll just we'll shake how- the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Love you too. <laughs> I love you. Um, <laughs> so our next character up to fucking false. How do you feel about it? This pretty boy, a Skarsgård boy. He's played by Walter Skarsgård. Well, I don't think he is one of that particular family. Is he? Tell I thought me. he was. Is, is he, he not? I don't know. You're the one who did the. <laughs> My research is very terrible con- compared to your research. Um, well, I purposely decided to do this based on I bought a book about it and was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> well, I think they're partially related. Now I'm rethinking everything I ever thought. 
I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I thought I knew all the Skarsgård boys. <laughs> no, you know what? I'm looking at his he's, face. His, I just looked at his face, and there's no way he's not part of that family. He looks yeah. so much like Bill. Yeah, he does. He looks like Bill, but he is the uh, son of uh, Stellan, who is the, Bill's yeah, they're all, brother, no, right? No, no. They're all brothers. Stellan is the father. Stellan's the father. Stellan's the father. siblings. He's siblings with Bill and Alexander. Yeah, Bill. So he's he's siblings of Bill and Alexander, but he's half-sibling of... Oh, no. Yeah. See? I think they're they're full siblings. You can see it in his fucking face. Well, yeah, the second I looked (laughs) at him, I was like, he looks just like Bill. He's he's one of those scars guards. Okay, thank God, because I paused the movie and actually Googled him, and I was like, yep, he's the scars guard because you can i had to double think i had to double think which character was which because they don't always say their names all the time you know yeah oh yeah but yeah it was difficult keeping everybody apart because they all have the long hair they're all like pretty similar pale skinny white guys with long either blonde brown or black hair to me they look exactly the fucking same Skarsgård, I mean, he's got like a baby face. He's he's all right looking, but um, I don't know. He looks too young, in my opinion. I know he's like twenty six, but he looks too young. Yeah, he is for he's my pretty, taste. Yeah, he's he was he was actually a great actor, but he kind of comes in and out of the movie, so you don't see him as much as the other characters I was discussing. Like he just well, kind of pops in as like, hey, I'm a psycho. Well, he is part of the black metal scene. He like that act, not the actor, but that actual person that he's based on that he plays. Yeah, was, was very into the scene, and I have a whole portion of my stuff dedicated to him alone. So we'll get into it. But okay. uh, he's actually really involved way more in the actual real life than the movie. Okay. Yeah, because he kind of comes in and out um, throughout the movie, and he does play a big role in that group that Varg names it. Um, but Black we'll, Circle. Yeah, you'll get into that. He also played in a TV series called Beck, which is still running right now. It's a TV series, I believe it's Sweden. It's like all Swedish. It's so Swedish. It is Swedish. Uh, so it takes place in uh, Stockholm. It's about murders there. He is a reoccurring character. Um, <laughs> So a lot of his film credits go back to Sweden. Uh, so there's lots of things I cannot pronounce. <laughs> you sound more German now. Than anything. I, I, I know, I'm channeling my inner German. <laughs> Which, if you look at German and Swedish, they sound exactly the same, but they are not the same. Um, See, that sounded more Swedish to me, but before you were sounding more German. You're like wavering in and out of them. <laughs> yes, he does play in a uh, German Swedish movie about the Viking women from the sagas. It's called Die Frauen der Wikinger, uh, Odin's Hochta. <laughs> I actually kind of want to watch it. It's a dramatized educational tale of Viking women from the sagas. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, like I actually history, really like Scandinavian television. It's super dark. Yes, they're so dark. That's what I love about it. <laughs> yeah, like, we are uh, channeling our inner Odin. <laughs> we live in darkness. 
We live in darkness like most of the time, like a very high percentage of the year. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes there is the midnight sun. (laughs) Sometimes there is midnight sun, so we like to go fishing the ice. In the ice, there's ice fishing in the ice. You cut hole in the fish. I mean, the ice and force the fish. (laughs) (laughs) Is this going okay? Me being, we are roar-burst right now, baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm having, I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. Okay. Falter Skarsgård, he is the newest Skarsgård. So I feel like expect more from him. Um, there's he used to that little baby face. Yeah, right. I I, I feel like he's gonna be a, you know an up and coming kind of new uh, Skarsgård guy, but he does seem to be sticking to Swedish and German and Norwegian stuff. Because um, well, I can't even pronounce half the shit he's. I mean, between his dad Bill and Alexander, they've kind of cornered the American market. You know. Yeah. And- yeah, he's sticking to his old old rules. <laughs> um, um, but then to the, ma- to the motherland, to, to the motherland. Yes, try to stick to uh Norwegian side of things. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll stop. I promise. <laughs> yes, I cannot stop anymore because they are, <laughs> the next one is John Negro Butcher Stubert. Uh, he's played by Jonathan Barnwell, um, which he also, he's, it's like a lot of these guys that acted on this. I say guys because the majority of the cast is men. Um, it's largely male, yes. Yeah. There's literally one girl who has a speaking part. The rest of them are just sex puppets for, for Varg. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he literally like kind of rape, not rapes them, but aggressively sexes them (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah because it's not like they're all consenting but it's like yeah they're just groupies for varg and varg likes it rough you know what i'm saying yeah he is like pounding away and i swear that was real (laughs) like (laughs) the sounds the clapping the motions the sweat like everything i was like wow that was I feel like they filmed a lot more of the sex scenes and just cut it to make it appropriate for viewing. I, I mean, have... let's put it this way. On our Instagram account, I posted the trailer to be like, hey, get excited for this episode. And Instagram put it down, took it down because uh, <laughs> I saw that <laughs> it was it was it didn't go by the community guidelines for violence graphic violence so it's rated hard r yeah real hard r hard Um, r i think if they would have slowed down some of that the hard sex scenes it would have been in c17 yeah it could just like a few more scenes it easily could have gone into nc17 territory for sure but this gentleman, Jonathan Barnwell, he's known for 2012's Ripper Street, which is... I've heard of Ripper Street. It's a BBC production. Yes. Yeah, and I've seen a couple of the episodes, but it's pretty much like the law enforcement detectives that were... Looking for Jack the Ripper? Yeah, looking for Jack the Ripper. It's actually pretty good. I like it. I mean, it's historically completely inaccurate, but it's it's. Oh, well, you know. 
So is most things about that mythos. Yeah. Yeah. So all of it's like, it, it, it's inaccurate, but it's, it's metal. <laughs> he was all, he was also in Midsummer Murders. Have you seen that? That's also a British. Yeah. Okay. And then he was in Metallica Man Unkind music video and he played Necro Butcher. It was all the same characters from the movie in this video. Isn't that crazy? I just yeah. thought it was loud. Cause it's like all the characters from the movie playing themselves or in other the characters. Video. Yeah, in the music video. Hmm. Um, and it's also productive or directed by Jonas Ackerlund. I don't know if it's like that makes sense. from the movie, but it's produced. I mean, directed by Jonas Ackerlund and by Metallica from the album Hardwired to Self Destruct. So that was released. It wasn't. Um, it was made was it to like. It, yeah, it was made to like coincide with the. Okay, yeah, because it's it's two years actually before the production and everything. So, like, I know this movie was in production and everything for a really long time before they even started filming that. Um, yeah, and that's why all the actors really got into these parts. Like the interview I read with Rory, he was saying that he was in contact with the director and all the other actors and film production team and stuff for years before they even started filming. So and you know what else is interesting? Sorry, you know what else is interesting to think about is that because Jonas Ackerland actually knew all the people that his actors were portraying, he could get better performances out of them. Oh, fuck yeah. And and Rory, he said he read tons of books. He looked at crime scene photos. He watched all the old interviews and stuff, and he said he was just immersed in this, like, personality for, like, two years or something, <laughs> three years. Yikes. Yeah, and he was like, I don't know how to feel after. Like, that's what I said. I think he's, like, a method actor, what it sounded like. He doesn't claim to be a method actor, but from what that interview said, it seemed like he really fucking got into it. Like, he was really into it and he knows a lot about horror movies and um some metal facts and stuff because they quizzed him mm. so he's he's into that i guess and he's into cats why is he married <laughs> <laughs> i know sorry andrew sorry, <laughs> i love you um, a girl can dream he's my hall pass that's what i've decided yeah that's your hall pass <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, along with, uh, if I'm able to time travel, obviously, 1980s James Spader. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's get into the meat of the film. The fucking meat of the film. So, the movie opens up like it's going to be this nice feeling, remember when kind of movie. It's really odd. Did you get that feeling? Like, right in the opening, it's a short summary of living in Norway, and it's like just glimpses of Norway. He's like, you might think I'm your average... It feels very Ferris Bueller, almost. Yeah, like... It it seems innocent, but there is definite undertones of darkness there. Like, yeah. he's, like, showing dolls and, like, we live in snow. Like, we have these houses and ancient churches. And then he says, 
and a really high suicide rate. And then it goes on to, here's my dad's car. And so it just starts with these undertones of darkness. Which but it leads... also has his sister come down, comes like down the stairs while they're practicing. And is like, you suck. Yeah, you fucking suck. So you can tell they're like, you know, teenagers in the basement playing metal. And at this point, they hadn't, like, discovered their sound yet. Like, yeah. you can see Rory, or, sorry, Euronymous. Euronymous, <laughs> sorry. I put Rory in all my notes. Played by Rory, and that's fine. Yeah, you can you can see, like, Euronymous struggling with a lot of the chords and stuff in the beginning. And they just sound like shit. Like, the drummer gets the drumsticks stuck in the ceiling it's it's pretty innocent it's like high school you know maybe they smoke pot whatever they do some stupid shit like kick over trash cans or something so it's pretty innocent at the beginning and they're they're starting to get like a following because it's a new sound that no one had heard before and this is in the 80s before all you know the death metal bands that came out in the late 80s this is like early 80s so famously the black metal scene hates death metal yeah see that's where for me it gets the lines get crossed there is i'm not an expert on metal i definitely not i am nowhere but there's black metal death metal viking metal and then there's like all these other metals so if i say the wrong metal i apologize (laughs) (laughs) don't come for us reply guys we don't care yeah we don't care please (laughs) so euronymous is starting to say oh i developed this this way of playing the guitar and he's literally just playing the chord like faster with the pick and he's like i just invented black metal so they they do have fans and they're driving around a car and they they get this envelope uh the band members they're all riding in the car get this envelope open it up and it stinks and it turns out there's a mouse that's nailed to a cross and it's dead and it's covered in blood. And then there's a tape sealed in red plastic. And they're like, oh, this is fucking disgusting. And the guy's about to throw it all out of the window. And Euronymous screams, don't throw out the tape. And that's the point where they throw out the mouse. They sit and it, like the camera like zooms out away from it. So you can't hear it. You can't hear what they're listening to. And it kind of zooms back into them. And they're like, we have to find this guy. Like, this is the fucking voice we need. And as you can start hearing stuff, they yell at a family like, Satan wants to fuck your kids. <laughs> Yeah, like they uh they egg on this innocent family on the side of the road. Yeah, like they're trying to take family portraits. They're like, Jane wants to fuck your kids. Dead mouse on a cross. So <laughs> the next scene, it, it introduces Dead, the the future lead singer of Mayhem. He's blonde. You can't see any of his face. It's just very you know secretive of who he is. And he immediately like gets in with the band, but he's fucking odd he's so weird like he's very detached from everything around him he's obsessed with like roadkill uh the next scene they're driving and he's like stop and then goes out and picks up a dead fox mm-hmm. and he's just holding this carcass of a red fox roadkill find and he just smells it like inhales it and he just looks up and you can finally see his face behind this dead rotting red fox dead sniffs the fox with the same glee that a mom 
has when she pulls like a freshly downied towel out of the dryer. Yeah, like he inhales it, feels it. Like he's like, fuck yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like rot. He sh- he mm-hmm. sh- yeah, I love that rotting smell. I'm dead, you know. And then the next, that next scene, I feel like had to have been hard for Ronimus or or Rory to film because in that interview he said he loves all of his cats and he said all of my cats. So I'm assuming there's more than one, and I feel like he has at least. If he said all of them, I assume it's more than two. Yeah, I think it's more than two. I think it's at least four. But I don't know. This is all speculation from me watching an interview from a hip-hop, like, radio show. (laughs) Look, you gotta love a cat daddy. Yeah, he's a cat daddy. He stays home while his wife works, and he uh, likes to cook (laughs) African African coconut soup, apparently. (laughs) Like, where where is this man? I know. (laughs) You should watch this interview. It's so cute. And he's like, I shouldn't be saying these things. I'm promoting a a Viking metal band. Like, uh, but anyway, so this kitten, it's a kitten. It's like a little cute little tabby. Like it's dead and it's hanging from the ceiling by a noose. Yeah. And so Aronimus comes in. And he just fucking kicks Dead on the bed. And Dead's just laying there with his eyes open in this catatonic state. And he's like, ugh, he has depression again. And he's like, but he hates cats. So, hey man, I thought I saw a cat outside. And he fucking just jumps up and he's like, where? And he's like, let's go get him. So they, they're running around with this rifle trying to shoot this cat. And then Dead is like, well, you said earlier that I could end it sooner if I shot myself in the face. So why don't you just pull the trigger? And he grabs the rifle and holds it up to his fucking head and is like, pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. And this, kind of theme of convincing someone to do something so brutal and so like evil and you know I don't know like that theme throughout the movie of like do this I dare you pretty much or like you should do this you should stab him or I'm gonna kill him is is throughout the whole movie um they so, really egg each other on to up the ante in all yeah. aspects of their life yeah and it gets more and more serious as time go on like right now it's kind of like boy play like stupid shit like hey I dare you to stab him and they hold down one guy and pretend to gonna stab him but it doesn't happen and then he's like pull the trigger and he's just smiling and that's like the the first time you see him really openly like feel something and he's just like welcoming it like pull the trigger come on and you can see his finger like going to pull the trigger and Aronimus is about to pull the trigger and he's like no fuck you like stop we're not doing this so they become how what do they call it the terror incarnate at this point. And this is when Aronimus and Dead both start wearing their prolific white and black makeup. Like, if you look at videos or concerts or pictures of them, they're wearing that white and black makeup, like, super <clears> thick. <throat> um, like The scary. term. The What's term it called? It's called corpse paint. Ooh, corpse paint. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's so... So they go to this party, and they're like, he's like, don't smile, you're ruining the paint. Dead says to Aronimus. So Aronimus is, like, happy at first. <laughs> like, Aronimus seems like a like a kid at most times. 
throughout the entire movie, he has this hard exterior, but you can see that he's literally just a child, and he's just playing. He's just crap. a big, happy kid, yeah. Yeah, like, when it starts getting serious, you know, he kind of pulls out. Like, he's just like, no, this is just a little, little bit far. Um, So they go to this party, and they meet some girls, and um, that's when he meets the photographer, uh, Anne-Marie. Um, and then the next day, show's dead, and he's in his, this catatonic-like state again. He's not reacting to Hieronymus uh, calling him or talking to him. He's kind of in this, like, I don't know. I would say kind of catatonia. I, like the the bed scene, he's more catatonic. Like his eyes are open and glazed over. There's flies on him and stuff. You can see. Um, and this one, he's actually just like not in this world. He's walking through the woods, and then he just strips naked and just has on his shoes, and he's just wandering through this old growth forest naked. While Aronimus is like, this guy is fucking weird. Um, and then it cuts to this next scene where Dead is just digging up his clothes out of the dirt. And I heard that's what he did before shows and stuff. Yeah, he really did that. Yeah. Like, that's fucking metal. Like, (laughs) he would dig a hole and put these ripped up dirty ass clothes in there and then, like, bury it. I don't know for how long. I Overnight. Okay, I didn't think it was very long, um, but he dug up his clothes, and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? We need to get to this show, and he's like, I'm digging up my clothes, and it has just dirt all over it, and he's, like, excited about it, and then he also brings a dead raven and a paper bag, <laughs> and before they go on, he's like, you want some, and the guy, like, looks at it, and he's like, what the fuck? Dude, like it's a dead raven in a bag, and then he just pulls it out. He's huffing it. He's huffing death. Huffing death. This guy is like so fucking suicidal the entire time he's on screen. He's yearning for death. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, what's that disease where you believe you're dying or dead? Uh, Oh yeah, the like walking corpse syndrome. Yeah, Um, I think he had that. I think he may have had that because um, I'll talk about it later on in in my scene. But he talks about feeling like his oh, um, Cotter's Cotter's delusion. Yeah, he talks about feeling like he has like the blood's clotting in his veins and he feels cold. Yeah, and detached. Yeah, and he's very very attached, and he he does a really good job. The actor um the Kilmer he does a he does a really good portrayal of him. You know, walking through life like, I'm dying. I'm always dying. He's the epitome of goth. Goth Swedish black metal. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, okay, I won't say, I won't say, I won't agree with you there. Because he actually didn't like to wear black clothing all that much. He oh, really? Just, he mostly just did it for shows. Oh, he but just again, did it for okay. shows? For the most part, he didn't care about, like, always being in black and stuff like that. He just wasn't really concerned with that kind of scene, you know what I mean? He's just really in a fucking death. Yeah, he, yeah, he's not, uh, you can't really put a label on this guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, he's definitely in a, in a different world this entire mm-hmm. time. So this, after he inhales a paper bag full of dead raven, um, he 
you, they like open up the show and there's it's packed. There's a lot of fans. They're like screaming. People are super fucking pumped that they're there. And this is where the warning begins. Is when- ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In all these lights, because I was like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. So if anybody wants to watch, this scene is where the lights come out. So this is when their, like, signature sound was established in the movie. I don't know about in real life. But they're, like, becoming a sensation. People are just fucking in love with these guys on stage. And people are, like, holding a, a this one guy, I can't remember his name. He, he's throughout the movie. He kind of, like films everything they do so whenever the scenes cut back between you know real recording of the movie to like the cut scenes with a camcorder he's the guy with the his name was metallion in the movies played by sam coleman metallion is a real person in the scene and i will talk about him yeah he was the young version of hodor in the game of thrones (laughs) hold the door yeah, and he was also uh, the mental patient in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. So, Morgan, what? You made me think of Hodor. I'm so sad now. I'm so sorry. That he, that that scene legitimately crushed me in yeah, the show. I kind of cried. I, think I did. I cried. I, I definitely cried. cried. But he's the one in the in the crowd with a handheld recorder, which is completely inaccurate because that is a small-ass camera that doesn't have that giant-ass boom mic on the front. They got that wrong. Jonas like Ockerlund got that wrong. It's an anachronism. It's not an old enough camera for that time Oh, period. it's definitely not. It yeah. looks like late 90s. That's It would be 10 times. <laughs> so he's standing in the crowd like, filming them and you can hear his voice the dead's voice is like and then you can see euronymous's signature movement with his guitar and they're just really into it and everybody is freaking out in the crowd and there's a dead pig head on a stake and it's like just blood coming from its eyes and then um, Dead has a cross with blood covered on it, and he's carrying it upside down. And then he fucking pulls out a knife and just fucking starts cutting into his arm, like, mm-hmm. you know, across the street, you know, not down the street, but across the street over and over, like, deep cut on mm-hmm. his right arm. And then yep. he fucking grabs a beer bottle 
and smashes it and then starts cutting really fucking deep on the left arm across. I I will discuss it again in my half, but that scene really happened like verbatim. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, and and it, like the transition from him coming on, he's like, Ugh, you know, and then once he cut himself, it's like he finally felt something and like a real demon comes out and he's just spraying fucking blood in the crowd because he's shaking his arms and people are like opening their mouths. And I'm like, dude, don't you know about bloodborne illnesses? But this is the 80s. No one knows about that. So he's just fucking spraying blood into people's mouths. He's really deep and at this point and then they toss the head the pig head into the crowd where two fans just grab it and start like gnawing at it and like biting at its face and like it's crazy i watched that scene three times (laughs) yeah i gotta say i've been to a lot of metal shows and thankfully none of the ones i've been to have been quite that intense (laughs) that was so fucking intense I literally watched it three times. That's why it took me so long to watch the movie, because I was just like, what the fuck is happening? And if you, like, zoom in, everyone is in this state of, like, yes, Lord, I'll bow down to you. Like, they are so fucking enthralled. Even, like, the actor, like, you know, the, the side actors. I don't know what kind of juju was going on on set, but every single fucking person is into it. I just wonder what Jonas Ackerlund was saying to them when they're doing it. Because everybody in that fucking scene, picture for Eronimus. Yeah, well, maybe it was like, picture your favorite band. You're at your favorite band's concert. You're front row. And scene. <laughs> like, they're so excited to be there. Like, everybody. I was pretty taken aback because usually there's that one person that, you know, doesn't belong. And you're like, why the fuck are they in this scene? But I looked and, like, everybody is, like, you know, like, really into it. So after the show, Dead just looks like shit. He's, like, pale. I mean, he lost a fucking lot of blood on stage. He's Mm -hmm. just despondent, like, checked out. Everyone at the table is just on this high of this amazing show and how successful it was. And fucking Dead is just zoned out, like, not paying attention. And there's a guy in the background just watching all of these people talk about the show and how wicked it was and, like, how they, like, created this new thing and people are going crazy. And he comes up to Euronymous. He's wearing, like, a denim jacket with all these, like, sticker or not stickers, what are they, patches on his his jacket. And he comes and introduces himself to Euronymous as he's going to the counter for, like, a sandwich or something. And he says, hi, I'm Christian. Like, I really loved your show. And then Euronymous being the, like, I'm hardcore. Like, I mean, he is on this high. So he's going to have, like, an ego trip at this point. He just points to, as he, like, Christian is holding out his hand, he just points to the patch on his chest and says, like, fucking posers or something and then he just doesn't shake his hand oh scorpions <laughs> points to the scorpions batch it literally I, just walks away i gotta be real with you have again having been to a lot of metal shows if you showed up to a black metal show 
with a scorpion patch, a lot of people are going to razz you for that. Because, come on, scorpions are like a fucking hairband. Yeah. See, I didn't. Yeah, they're... They're, like, up there with fucking Poison and Motley Crew. Ew. They wear yeah. the hot pants. Yeah. You don't wear a patch for that band to a black metal kick. <laughs> yeah. So, so Christian was definitely an odd guy. And that, I will spoil it, that's Varg. Is Varg. Christian yes. is Christian, weird. Christian is Varg's birth name. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> I think he, like, just revolted against his fucking name, and that's what... I'm uh, not going into that, but... <laughs> I, I'll so, talk about it a little. So Christian is like, oh! Like, he's like an angry, like, middle school girl, like, the way he stomps away. He's just like, oh! He called me out for being a poser! And then seeing this, like, him with this death... What'd you call it? Death makeup? Death. Death makeup of death. Death it's face? Corpse. Oh, corpse fuck. paint. Corpse, corpse paint. He's sitting in his fucking bright ass apartment, like eating toast, as Norwegians do. Um, he's just sitting there, like eating toast and collecting the the crumbs while he sits in his corpse paint by himself. And he's he just is like eating, and then he, he dumps his his crumbs out, and you can see the scorpions patch in a waste bin right next to the table. So you can see that what Aronimus said really had a deep cutting effect on him. And this is when yeah, his he, anger boils. Like, he is seething in it. Well, sure, at this point, he cares about what people in the scene think. Oh, yeah. Like, he's super, like, fucking sensitive. Um, So then, um, at this point, like, Dead is literally checked out um he's sitting alone and you can it cuts between scenes of like Aronimus doing his normal everyday thing he's like taking his car out I think he took the trash out or something and he was like at his parents house and then he is like driving to dead's uh barn house I guess he's like staying in the top floor of the barn house where apparently they were roommates but it looked like he was back and forth between his parents' house and this part of the movie. Um, but Dead is just super despondent, and he, you can see in his face, like, he feels nothing. He's, like, dead inside. Like, his eyes have that, like, thousand-yard stare, um, which he does a really fucking good job of. And he's, like, not in a completely catatonic state, but he's just checked. And you can see something's going to happen. He grabs this butcher knife, and he just starts cutting down the street really deep into his left arm. Um, And you can see, like, it may or might, may not have been, like, an arterial bleed, but, like, he opens his fucking arm up, and this scene is so intense. Mm-hmm. Sorry, are you going to faint? No, I'm fine. I'm good. I'll let you know. Do you need to cut off your 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 headset? Because I went deep into detail. <laughs> I'm good. I'll let you know. Okay, so he's just opening up his left arm. He's digging real deep with this butcher knife, and it's probably like a seven and a half inch blade. And, like, you can see the blood soaking through the carpet around him. And then you can see, like, relief kind of setting in as he goes into his right arm all the way up even deeper and you can kind of see like just an orgasmic kind of response like i'm 
finally feeling what death feels like. And then he's sitting there with both arms out, just bleeding into this fucking carpet, and he cuts his throat. And it's not as deep, but he cuts his throat enough that he's choking on his blood. And he's stumbling, he's coughing, he's like, ah, and he fucking goes to his writing table, takes out some paper and a pen, and he's, like, attempting to write his last message or suicide note, and there's blood soaked in the carpet around him. Everywhere he goes, there's, like, blood just spraying out. Then he sits on the bed, and he's coughing and struggling, and you can tell he's fucking dying, but he decides to take that rifle he went to hunt cats with, fucking put it on the floor with his arm outstretched, Right into, I think it was his left eye. And it's like four quiet seconds. And I couldn't figure out if he's thinking or if he's like, this is it. You know, like it was just long enough where like maybe he won't do it. And then he fucking does it. And he pulls the trigger and it blows his fucking brains out. And brains just spray on the boom box next to him that has the tape in the in there like their tape and and blood and guts are like filled like this this room is filled with blood and guts like his brains are on the bed next to him in his mouth like on the boom box you can see a whole crater open like whoever did the fucking makeup and all this stuff in this scene needs an emmy hold on a grant emmy do you want an emmy for makeup um, yes, you can win a makeup award for any film award, but I think what you're looking for is probably more like a Golden Globe or an Oscar. Yeah, they should have gotten an Oscar on this shit, because this scene is so fucking surreal. Um, it is. It's, However, uh, this is not the kind of movie that uh, the Oscars tend to share show love to. Yeah, well, if there was, like, a, you know, subculture (laughs) of, like, well, there is. But, like, a horror award. There's this thing. It's called the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. What? Oh, that's so cool. They should have gotten it. Why did they get it? I would have voted it. (laughs) (laughs) You got, oh, God, you got so excited just then. I I did. (laughs) Like, this scene, I was just, like, Fuck yes! Like, I don't really get into the gore, but this scene was so emotional and so beautiful. Like, and it's sickening too at the same time. Like, I had so many emotions. Like, they're, you know, making this awful thing, like, beautiful at the same time of me being like, Oh, why am I so disgusted by this? Or like, why am I so in love with this? Because there's blood and brains and everything everywhere, but it's still just so well put together. And it, it's a brilliance. Like, I think Dead did a really good job. Uh, Kilmer, he did a really great job of having that emotion. Like, whenever he cut his arms, like, you can look into his eyes and be like, I fucking finally feel something. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this fucking suicide scene. <laughs> Maybe I need therapy. Um, but it's it's a really beautiful scene. And it's fucked up. 
Like, I'm yelling the whole time, like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's the scene that I fainted in. Yeah, it's fucking awful, but it's it's great. I think, like, they they did a really, and it's super fucked up. And if it would have been made in the 80s, they would have fucking cut that whole scene because it is so fucking brutal. Um, But then as you, like, you know, it zooms out from the body. It goes into the uh, suicide note of what he wrote. And it says, excuse all the blood. Let the party begin. And that's what Euronymous found. He <laughs> he couldn't get into the house. So he climbed a ladder, gets in. See, he's like, what are you doing? Masturbating again. And he like, kicks open the door. And then he's dead. And he's like, holy fucking shit. Like, it really happened. And at this point in the movie, you're like, wow, he doesn't even fucking care. He thinks this is just another, like, publicity stunt to get his band noticed. So, and and that's what happened. Like, he goes to the fucking store, he gets a bag, and he comes back, and you're like, what's he got in that bag? And he called someone and hung up before they answered. And, and then he goes upstairs, and he pulls out a fucking disposable camera and starts taking photos of... The dead dead and yeah. he looks yeah, around the <laughs> yeah it's the dead dead so he looks around and he's like oh this isn't artistic enough so he gets the gun and like puts it closer to his body because the gun had like flown out of his hands at this point uh, when he was on the bed so he, he picks up the gun and puts it right next to him and then he grabs the knife that's soaked in blood through the carpet and like puts it closer to him and kind of poses these things like as a shrine of death and mayhem. And <laughs> he just fucking takes pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene, he calls all of them there and he's like, yep, fucking killed himself. Dead's dead. Like, come on. And then when they get there, they're all like, like, they're like, what the fuck? Like, Vorn is like, dude, this is not okay. Like, we're taking it far. And Ronimus is like, here's dead skull on a necklace that I wire wrapped. And Vorn's like, no, you've gone too fucking far. And then Ronimus is like, you know what? I don't care how far I went. You're fucking fired. Because Ronimus is the lead of the band. And then Vorn says, okay, fuck you. I'm out. And they're like, so at this point that's when you know the first chapter is kind of over like their their innocence is gone at this point completely gone everything's checked out like nothing can stop darkness yeah and and um Aronimus says nothing can stop me whenever they're opening scene into the death metal record store that he had or sorry black metal right um and he says nothing can stop me and then in walks this motherfucker christian Mm -hmm. and or mark um he goes through the store all smugly and he's like i'm fucking wearing black i'm super cool he's got his long hair and then he pulls up a record what does he find the scorpions and he pulls it up and he mocks their conversation like years previously he's like (laughs) any record store that claims they're black metal like aren't they're posers and then 
you can see, like, Geronimus realizing who this dude is, like, the weirdo that tried to shake his hand after a fucking show where the lead singer, like, literally cut himself so deep that blood sprayed in the crowd. So he's like, okay. And all these guys come up and offer beer. They're like, beer time. And Christian says, like, oh, I'm not Christian anymore. My name's Barg. And they're like, oh, did you convert? And he's like, yeah. I'm not a Christian anymore. I was. I'm Varg. Varg doesn't drink and Varg doesn't eat meat. And then Aronimus and him are like in the back. Like Varg kind of walks his way into the back of the record store while Aronimus is eating. And Aronimus offers him his sandwich. And he's like, oh, I don't eat meat. (laughs) And (laughs) Aronimus is like, oh, like Hitler. (laughs) Hitler didn't eat meat. And he was like, yeah, of course, just like Hitler. He's like, wow, cool. And then they start talking about some things that Aronimus was thinking about, like how the church had taken away their Norwegian identity of uh, being Vikings, and they put their churches on the holy grounds of the Vikings, and that they should go around and burn down churches. And you can see that Aronimus is just a talker. Like, he just talks all the shit, but doesn't really live it, kind of. Like, yeah. Like, the whole movie, you can kind of see him, like, talking all the shit, but he's he's really not about it. But Varg takes that fucking heart. Yes, and Aronimus is like, this dude's a poser. Like, he has really bad ideas. They decide to, like, record this album, even though, like, Aronimus thinks Christians, or Varg is a poser. Varg thinks Aronimus is a poser. But Aronimus thinks that Varg has potential to boost their band up. So he's like, hey, you should join this band. We're like heavy black, like black metal. And so they, they end up recording an album, uh, where church members record, which is funny. And then they go to a bar and Varg is just so fucking weird. He's like, I'm going to up the ante and just be so fucking outrageous. And I don't even remember what he says, but everybody at the table just stops and just stares at him like, what the fuck is your deal? Like, why are you like this? And he just says something really fucking weird. And then Aronimus, like, laughs, and then they all start laughing. But Varg was being completely serious. And he's just a complete outsider to this scene, even though he thinks he's number one in being so far gone. Like, way callous. So, um... They leave the bar. They're running amok in the streets. They're hitting cars with bat. And then Aronimus, you can hear him be like, no, don't do that, along with... And Marit. And Marit. So they're running through the streets. They're they're running back to the record store. And Aronimus had made this really cool, like, gothic-style cave in the basement. And it's all set up like an old ancient church or something. All the the candles are in little candelabra things and the walls are painted white and the floor's black and it's it's just lit by candles and it's dark and creepy and there's upside down crosses and shit. So they're all partying in the basement when it's just it ends up being just Aronimus and Varg and the uh Amorite. And it it seems like Aronimus is like hey, well, take my picture. And she's like, no, I don't want to take your picture. She had been taking pictures of Varg. 
And he's like, well, why don't you take my picture? Like, maybe we can go upstairs and discuss it. And that's where Aronimus sleeps is, like, in the top floor of the record studio. So he's about to get it on. But Bard is like, fucking take off your clothes. And she's like, what? And you can see Aronimus get kind of uncomfortable. But Varg is so, like, you know, uh, aggressive with what he said that Aronimus just kind of sits down beside him and just doesn't say a fucking word like a coward. And he says, take off your clothes. Are you fucking deaf? I said, take off your clothes right now. And Anne-Marie is looking at Aronimus the whole time like, hey, man, what the fuck? And, but she ends up stripping and she just strips. As Euronymous is sitting next to Bart, just visibly uncomfortable, just like she is. End cutscene. Like, that scene made me so fucking mad. Oh, yeah. Euronymous, like, stand up. Like, you clearly want to have relations with this woman. You've been hitting on her throughout the last three scenes of this fucking movie. What do you do? But. Also, like, girl, stand up for yourself. Yeah, exactly. She could have walked away. But, Barg, I guess as he does show that he has this control over people, just like his writer. Like, he tells that guy to, like, jump off a bridge, he fucking would. Bard just has this personality at this point where he just kind of intimidates people into doing what he says. So the next scene, it's like the next day or something, that Bard's new album comes in. The record came in the store, and the album cover is just gray. And they're like, fuck, it was supposed to be black. <laughs> and they're like, shit. <laughs> and there's no picture. There's no writing. He turns it over. And Varg yells, they printed it wrong. It's supposed to be spell of destruction, not black spell of destruction. And Euronymous is like, no, that's right. I just changed it. And you can feel the tension between the two just fucking, like, uh, turn into a fucking person between them. Like, it is so palpable. You can tell, like, Varg wants to fucking murder him, that he had any say or change. Because Varg ended up getting his money, his mom's money to pay for this album. So, to Varg, Varg's saying, it's my album, I wrote these songs, these are my things, and you are taking credit for it. But Aronimus has the record label, and he's the one who produced the album. So Aronimus is like, no, I can change it. Like, this is my record. And and Varg is, like, fucking pissed. So at this point, it's like a pissing match. Very and, much so. And then Varg goes rogue. He goes to a church, like a really old ancient church, like a fucking badass, like Norwegian church. And he lays this dead rabbit that looked like it was like choked out with a, a rope or something. And he puts it on the grounds, uh, like the door right in front of the church. And then he opens like a backpack and takes out like an iron wrench or something, like a winch. Wrench? What do you say? Winch? Wrench? Wrench? Winch? It's like a big, long metal thing with a hook at the top. It's usually <laughs> what you do to like open cellars. <laughs> like a crowbar? Crowbar, that's it. <laughs> okay. I couldn't remember the word. <laughs> Thank you for realizing what I was trying to say. So he takes out a fucking crowbar <laughs> and just like goes into this church. Like, uh shit, I know what's coming next. And then he fucking lights it up. And, and, like, the fucking church is, like, on fire, and it cuts to, like, the next scene of, like, this being all over the news. 
And everybody's like, oh, shit, he did it. Varg burned down the church. And Euronymous is like, well, I told him to do it because Euronymous has all these ideas but never does them. He just says them out loud like, hey, I'm going to do this and never does it. So he's he takes credit for it. And he's like, oh, well, fuck, he makes us all look like Boy Scouts. And then Euronymous just takes credit for what Varg had did he was like well i propelled him to do it so it's really what i did and then he starts saying we burned down the church and everybody's like but mark did it and he's like yeah but i'm the one who came up with that idea i was the one who thought we could start this and propel our career and people start looking and then we can get rid of the fucking church and go back to our viking roots so varg is fucking pissed and he's, like, raging. He's like, all right, let's go to this church and we can burn it down. Euronymous is like, dude, no. No, I just said it. I just told you to do it. You did it. Aren't you happy you did one church? That's cool. And Varg is like, no, we got to burn them all down, motherfucker. And so they go to this old church and they're discussing how, like, Euronymous is saying, well, the church did this. Like, they deserve it. Because the Christians came and killed all of our ancestors and then built a church on their holy ground. While we're fucking pagan Viking people, they took that away from us. And he's like getting kind of upset. But Varg pulls out a fucking thing of plastic explosives with a timer on it and is like, let's do this. And Aronimus is like, is that really fucking like an explosive? And Varg is, Varg's laugh, I hate it. I don't even know if he was making that noise, but throughout every evil thing, evil thing that Varg does, it's like this, <laughs> did you notice that? No. Yes. It's so fucking annoying. Every evil thing that Varg does, like with the, the church and everything until the murder, all the churches and Whenever they're discussing, like, what they did with the journalists and stuff, his laugh, fucking insufferable. I fucking hate it. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, why are you laughing like that? I like, didn't it, think it was that high pitched, but maybe that's just because it's your voice doing it. It's pretty high pitched. All right. I don't know. Uh, it's creepy. I don't like it. His, his, his laugh is very odd. I will give you that. Fucking it, annoying. It's, it's creepy. Yeah, he does it in this church scene like 50 times. I'm like, oh. And this is when Euronymous, like the plastic explosives are in place. And Euronymous is just like, okay, I'll join in. And he starts ripping apart Bibles and like throwing them around. And then they run out because the thing had like 10 seconds or something left. And Bard's like, five. Or actually, he says, 10. Nine, eight, seven, six, 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 three, two, one. Let's blow this popsicle stand. <laughs> it doesn't fucking happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't blow up. So he's like, God damn it. And Ronald's just like, wait, wait, maybe it's just like a dud. <laughs> like, I would have fucking gone back in there. I would have just, if, if you wanted to light on fire, just light on fire outside. Don't go back inside. It could blow. So they both go back inside and the, explosive has failed it's 
stopped on 15 seconds. That's not how explosives work, but whatever. So he's, like, trying to put the wires back into it. And meanwhile, Aronis is, like, destroying all the Bibles. And then he takes out a lighter and just lights a Bible on fire. And they're like, fuck yeah. So then they start lighting the place on fire. And then the church goes up in flame. So Aronis does take part in it. But it's forced, pretty much, by Varg. Because Varg is like, you won't do it, you're a poser. He's like, yeah, duh. It's peer pressure. It's peer pressure. That's all it was. So then it goes to this random scene where one of the band, or he's not really a band member, Faust. Yeah. He's in the scene. Yeah. In the scene. And he is at this bar. He, his back is turned to an older gentleman. I don't know if it was supposed to be a meetup for sex or something. They kind of made it seem that way. And so he... This guy's, like, talking to him, and he's like, all right, whatever. He's like, I know what you want or something. And so he walks down the road, and he's by himself, and this older gentleman is following him closely behind, and he looks excited to be with this guy, with Faust. So as Faust goes near a bus stop, he stops, and the gentleman comes up and touches his back and is like, I know what you want or something. So they go into the woods and as the older man is touching his, his pants in the crotch region, it's when false takes out a massive fucking hunting knife and just stabs him in the lower left side. And this guy's like shocked that he stabbed. He's like, what? And this scene, too, like, all of these murders seem really fucking real. It scares me. Um, intense. Yeah, they're very intense, and it's not much sound. There's no music. It's just kind of those two people and their footprints. or so, Like, you can only hear the rustling. And he's like, no, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Like, why are you doing this to me? And he's trying to run, and then Faust just fucking stabs him again, like, really hard. And the guy just kind of pushes Faust away. And he, the the man who's stabbed is kind of, like, in shock, like, grabbing his stomach because he's been stabbed, like, three times at this point. He throws Faust on the ground, but he's trying to run away, but he's losing a lot of blood. He's disoriented. And that's when Faust, like, gets back up and just stabs him again. And the guy knocks the knife out of his hand. And it's all in, like, slow motion. You would think that this guy, he's pretty, he looks pretty fit, even though he's older, like, could run away. But in reality, like, you know, like, horror movies are like, you get stabbed five times and then the main, ca- the main character is running full speed. That's not what happens. <laughs> like, you're fucking shocked and... Your body's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, yeah. So it's it's kind of like this awkward dance between Faust and this random guy. And he just starts repeatedly stabbing him. And this guy's like saying, like, don't stop, please. And, and then it's just kind of silence. And he's just stabbing. And it's slow and very intentional. It's not like he's going mad, like angry stabbing. He's just stabbing and then kind of watching what happens. And this guy's like trying to fight away, but he's losing energy. He's losing blood. He's like trying to knock it away. And then he just falls to the ground. And that's when Faust just stabs him every two seconds, just in the stomach. And 
this guy's hands are kind of flying, trying to knock whatever's out of the way. And at this point, I don't even think he's conscious. I think he's like, it's just reactive, um, yeah. like to pain. Like, I think he's really just not, not responsive. And Foss just keeps stabbing slowly. And it, this scene fucking got me too. I'm just like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think Jonas Ackerman probably killed someone. <laughs> I'm not no, floundering. Huh? I don't think so. No, but but it's so real, like how he's like kind of flinching and he's just stabbing and and Foss's face is like full of blood and the guy's kind of like putting his arm up, like just stop, just stop. And he rolls over, he's like stabbing and he's stabbing a lot. And so like it's on the news and they're all watching and they're like, oh shit. And Foss is like, that was me. And they're like, hold on, what? And everybody's caught off guard. And then Aronimus is like, I have to stay metal. And he's like, congratulations. <laughs> and they're all like, good job. And then they start like praising him. So then they go and, and more band members and more people in the black metal scene are starting to destroy churches and they're destroying the Bibles, lighting them on fire, they're destroying altars. They're, they're just like running amok. And and Aronimus is thinking that all the police are like after them. They're gonna they're gonna get caught. Like this is just scary. Why why the fuck are they? Like, and he just kind of like focuses on himself. He's like, I need to get more serious. I need to do these things. I'm gonna like separate myself from this gang of people because I don't want to go down for this murder or for these church burnings. So that's when he asks. And Marit to photograph him in the uh, in the graveyard. Then they have passionate sex finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's so full of passion. It's like the most passion of any part in the movie. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know why it was so cute. I don't know. He's like covered in his paint, and she's like, I'm taking your pictures, and. Like, it's not like that at all. I mean, they have raunchy sex, but I'm like, dang it, yay, you're doing there, it. There is something kind of sweet about the scene where he just kind of grabs her and pass, passionately starts making out with her just in full corpse paint. Yeah, in full corpse paint in a fucking graveyard. I'm like, oh, this is cute. And she's got the camera, and she's like, oh, okay. And, like, they just start making out. And then the next scene, they're falling into bed together, and they have all the sex. And you can see, like, the, the paint rubbing off on her face, and she's wiping it off of his face. And I'm like, aww, he found love. Because, <laughs> like, throughout this movie, I didn't mention it, Varg is having random orgies and sex parties with random chicks and calling them whores and sluts. Yeah, Varg's trying to be, he's trying to become what he wants to be, what his idea of heart is. Yeah, which is, we'll get into the, his whole belief system, which is hilarious. Um, So, so he's finally having sex with this girl, and then it kind of settles down, and I like this part. She said, what's on your mind? And it just 
goes into this, like, artistic, maniacal, twisted shit of animalistic images, like, vile flashbacks of dead animals, like, dead, the character dead, just, like, running through the woods, like, looking at him through the woods, like, what the fuck's happening? And then they're all, like, twisted, guttural screaming and, like, rotting animals and just dying or decaying in like old growth forests it's just like images flashing 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 um it is i just love that part because it goes from this sweet emotional like what you thinking about to like here's the inside of my head (laughs) it's dark up it's so dark in here And, and and so then it goes back to varg just sitting there like you know i'm gonna go public and they're like, hold on, what? He's like, I'm going to go public with the church burnings and admit to them and then talk to journalists. And fucking Aronimus, I am not into this at all. Like, don't. He he told him before he, like, went up and got serious. Like, don't say anything. We don't need this getting out. And Varg is like, I'm going to take credit for it because Aronimus is not hard enough. So Varg, like, decorates his apartment like a middle school gothic boy like it's like a goat skull uh there's like an altar with swords on it like hunting knives displayed there's like a giant nazi flag and a nazi uh oh it's the what is the eagle symbol called i think it's just is it not just called a nazi eagle no there's actually like a name for it yeah, it's sort of like that. There's actually, like, a name. I'll remember it later. But it's kind of going back to the, the Roman Empire with it, which makes no sense. Ah, uh, yes, it, the Third Reich. Yes, the Third Reich. Like, that's, that's their thing, is that eagle. So he had, a like, a candelabra with the the eagle and he like lights these little fucking tea candles and then like fluffs the black curtain and then the nazi symbol and then he kind of like sits down on the chair like he's uh thinking really hard but he like bumps his head on the the goat skull behind him and he's like shit he's like come in journalist i want to talk to you and i mean he's like totally trying to be more like like scarier than he really is and alluring and dark and secret and the journalism uh the the journalist guy who just comes in was photographer he literally just like rips into him without being super rude he's like oh so you're telling me you are a satanist he's like yeah because the church like needs to stop doing what they're doing. And he's like, but the, the Vikings are not, uh, are pagans. Are you saying you're pagan? And he's like, yeah, I'm pagan. Of course I'm pagan. I'm going back to my Viking roots. And he's like, but that does not make sense with you saying you're a Satanist because that it implies there's Christianism. And then the, with the Nazis, like, yeah, of course I'm a Nazi. And he's like, so you're a Satanist pagan Nazi. So this journalist is just coyly picking out of his belief system and just totally calling him out. He goes, this is just a weird mix of ideas that you claim to be. Because you can't be a Satanist pagan Nazi. You just can't, if you look at it. Reichsadler. That's the name of the the eagle. Yeah, Reichsadler. 
yeah, that's what he has in like throughout his house are those. If you look in the background, there's like candle operas <laughs> with them, and then he yeah, has he a big did giant collect, Nazi flag. He did collect a lot of uh, Nazi weapons, and it it just it just makes no sense. No sense. I mean, I'm not into Nazis at all, but they did have cool pistols. And I only know that because of Band of Brothers, when he's like, I finally got the gun, and then he gets shot in the thigh and dies. Oh, I love Band of Brothers. I know. That gun is so cool. But it's so fucking sad, because the whole show, he's like, I'm going to get a gun from a Nazi, and then he fucking gets it and gets shot in the thigh and dies. Ugh. But you cannot be a Satanist pagan Nazi and then pretend to be taken seriously, unless you're in middle school. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so this journalist is like, okay, well, we need to take pictures. And he's like, no, because I'm an anonymous source. And they're like, well, if you're not going to give us any pictures, then we're going to fucking head on out. And he's like, wait, the F word. He refers to the, the gay man that was murdered by Faust. He's like, but the F word, I don't want to say. Um, and they're like, okay, well, Everything that you've told us is what fucking read in the newspaper. We're out. And then this driver or his friend comes up, the one who just bows over to him. He just comes up. He's like, hi, guys. Would you like some tea? (laughs) (laughs) I like that scene because he has like a really fancy tea set and like he has a tray he's holding. He's like, want some tea? (laughs) And they're like, uh, (laughs) and he's like, but. I am vicious. I am vile. Take a look at me. He's like, but I know something that you do not know. And they're like, okay, what the fuck? And he's like, there was a dead rabbit at the church doors. And they're like, "Ah, we can use that. So they start taking pictures of him, holding, like, barely hiding his face behind his hair and, like, burning things. Like, literally, the journalists are posing him just as he was posing his apartment. Which, yeah. it's all about being posers in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and and Varg is going by the Count at this point. Um, and he is the uh, secret yes. source. He's How the secret Krishna. source. Yeah, so it's Christian Varg, the Count. <laughs> um, so he describes all this satanic black circle which is the group of guys that are burning down the church, uh, all the churches and stuff. So he details like, yeah, that's what we do. And then we, we sometimes kill people like that one guy in the park. And, and so the journalists leave and they're like, what a fucking dumb shit. And that's when Varg goes to jail and it's all over the news. It becomes public. And then Aronimus is like, well, mm, I guess I am the leader of that satanic black cult because I am the inventor of black metal. And he kept saying, like, I made this. This is what I did. And it's like, dude, Aronis, you just had an idea and people just went off of it. Just like you don't say that Muka was the only person to do Art Nouveau. Yeah. It's not how it goes, you know. So Aronis is just kind of 
taking credit where really he's not really credited. He barely burned down one church. And Varg is like, I'm fucking way more hardcore than you. So still a pissing match at this point. And then he like admits to being a part of it. But then also he says he's upset and shocked that he went public with it. He's like, it should have just been kept between us. And so Varg needs mean, huh? true. It's not really a secret anymore if you blab about it to the press. Yeah, and I think Eronimus just kind of didn't want to be connected to that. He had dreams and stuff to be more serious, and Varg is just like, I'm in middle school. Like, they're only, like, 18 and 19 at this point, which is crazy. Yeah, they're super young. They're so young. Uh, just Because they said, a 19-year-old Varg. And I was like, what? He's 19? <laughs> and, I mean, Dad was 22 when he killed himself. Wild to me. Like, cray cray. So, they were babies. <laughs> they were babies. <laughs> so Varg meets with Eronimus. And, and Varg is just pointing out the fact that, hey, I'm an active participant, and you are the one on the sidelines taking credit for all that I've done. And Eronimus is like, I gave you these ideas. It was me in the beginning who did this. This was my doing because I gave you that idea. And Varg is like, nah, I'm doing this ten times more extreme than you ever fucking did, Eronimus. And then Euronymous is like, well, I mean, I was extreme, but sometimes we need to, you know, go back to doing what we're doing and get albums out. And then Varg calls out him, calls out on him and says like, well, this is this black metal scene and we don't tour. And he's like, but what are we doing here if we're not going to tour or make albums? And Varg's like, it's only for the few. So Varg is, you know, just going ten times more extreme and further than Euronymous ever did or Euronymous ever said he did. And so Varg is like, I'm out. I'm fucking out of this shit. You'll never have to see me again. And he pulls out uh, the necklace of dead skull that was wire-wrapped that he got when he joined the band. Euronymous is like, well... That's fucking fake. It was just a chicken bone. And Varg is like, are you fucking, it was fake. You can see his face shut down. He's like, no, can't be. He's like, well, you're fucking fake. And he leaves. And Aronimus meets up with his girlfriend now at this point, uh, Amrit. And she's like, why are you so obsessed with him? Like, just stop having competitions with each other. And she's like, you were a leader and you had this vision of this black metal scene and you created it. And now you're just letting Varg just rule all of your thoughts and, you know, make you lose your way and just get obsessed with all these stupid other things that are happening. Like, why don't you get back to your music? And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna cry a little bit. He's like, it's just so hard right now. And it's sad because Eronimus is starting to realize this is unraveling. Things aren't going as planned. I lost my way. I started burning churches. And where the fucking, where is the music? And and it looks like Varg is, you know, I'm going to get serious. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to kill Varg because he's fucking annoying. And turns out Varg knows about what he had said earlier, that he wanted to tase him and just torture him and then film it as a snuff film. And it was actually another guy who had said that, but the rumor got started and went to Varg that 
Euronymous wanted to kill him. So Euronymous types out this whole letter saying that, hey, I'll let you sign this contract and I'll give you rights to your album and then I'm going to get out of it. And then we can just go both like go our separate ways and you'll start to get your money and blah, blah, blah. But at this point, Varg is like up on rage like this motherfucker. He said he's going to kill me. Well, I'm going to kill him first. And so Varg gets the letter. He signs the contract. He angrily grabs a knife and then tells his friend, like, come fuck on, like get in the car. And he's like, what? And he's like, I said, follow me. So they get in the car and they go to this movie store, and he's like, have you ever, excuse me, he's like, have you ever seen Die Hard 2? And he's like, no. And he's like, well, you're going to say you did. And he's like, why? And he's like, don't ask questions, just drive. And then this point, like, Varg is just hiding in the back seat underneath a blanket, and he, you can tell he's, like, going to do something bad. You kind of make up what he's going to do that's bad in your head before it happens and you can tell he's being suspicious he doesn't want to show his face he freaks out realizes he doesn't have cash but their gas is low so he's like fuck i'll just report my credit card stolen go in there and then his driver friend is like just bumbling everything up like dropping shit and just being obvious and everybody's gonna notice him um so they get to Euronymous's house, and, bef- and while this is happening, while they're driving here, Euronymous is uh, deciding to cut his hair, is deciding to be a normal guy and get away from the scene and go into uh, different types of music. And and like I said earlier, like Anne Marie just cutting his hair, and like Euronymous, it's it's going into this dream sequence where Euronymous is seeing dead. And every time he sees dead, dead is literally dead inside. Like, he's just numb, it looks like. He's not making any smiling or frowning or anything, usually. But at this point, when his hair starts being cut, he's laughing and smiling. He's running through the forest. He looks happy. And he's like, okay, keep cutting it. And like I said, it's like Samson and Delilah. So... She's cutting his hair by candlelight, and he's like, okay, I'm freeing myself of this lifestyle. I'm getting on with my life. He puts on a collared shirt, <laughs> which is funny. He does look like a like a boy or something. Like, he, Yeah. He's got a collared shirt on. His hair's all sticking out everywhere. Like, you can see the black dyes coming out of his hair. And she's like, well, I guess I'll see you later. And she leaves. And you can see him putting on a record. And I looked up this band, a German electronica band from the 60s that started in the 60s. But it they were like the forefront runners of German techno. I mean, they're, they're from Berlin, Germany, and they're called Tangerine Dream. And I am very aware of Tangerine. Yeah. So... I I paused it because I was like, ooh, what album is that? And it's actually a a single that was released. And it it wasn't released as a record, I don't think. But he had it as a record. And I think they released it as a record for this movie is what I think happened. I may just be making all of this up, but it looks like they never released it as like an album. Um, Tangerine Dream also helped create the soundtrack for the video game Grand Theft Auto V. Yeah, and they're all over uh, Stranger Things. 
Yeah. They're, I mean, they're a big, huge band. They have Yeah, been... they're, they're, they've got a considerable following. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. They, they've yeah. covered, like, a whole bunch of Jimi Hendrix and Beatles. They're a really well-known, good band. They're actually still touring, I think. I know they were in, like, 2012. I first heard about them from James May, as in the guy from Top Gear and Grand Tour. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I heard about them from Lena. That makes sense. I mean, she's German friend. Berlin, Germany. Because she was like, I will introduce you to German music. And she's like, (laughs) she told me, she's like, Morgan, it is not techno. It is electronica. (laughs) Remember that in my head. Because I was like, oh, yeah, I like techno. And she's like, it's not techno. It's electronica. She got so mad at me for calling. I don't even remember what uh, song we were listening to, but she was oh, man. like that's, super pissed. That's electronic music gatekeeping right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was a de- definite gatekeeper of electronic. <laughs> so whenever someone says, that's techno, and I'm like, no, it isn't. That is electronica. Gah. <laughs> <laughs> she was so <laughs> mad at me. But I had, like, the uh, freaking the soundtrack pulled up, and I, I can't find it anymore. But the, the soundtrack to this is pretty heavy Yeah. into all the, the music and stuff. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different bands that I don't know. I mean, you probably know, but... Probably. But, okay, so what else happens in the movie? So, yes. So, at this point, he's cutting his hair, he puts on his shirt girlfriend leaves and then he's listening to electronica music he's looking in the mirror he looks less like a black metal band member he looks less more sexy. yeah <laughs> he looks like he's he's okay with it he seems peaceful with himself like he hadn't been before he has this new like kind of aura like he's just like brand new he's looking in the mirror observing it and then he gets a knock on the door or a call from downstairs and he's like let me in and he's like who is this and he's like bark and he's like why the fuck are you here he's like i have that contract you sent me i want to fucking sign it and he's like it's the middle of the night and he's like yeah well let me in so he comes in he lets him in and he's like okay well nice to see you uh, hey, this is weird. You drove all the way from Sweden. <laughs> like, that was a long drive. And he's like, yeah, well, I wanted to get this signed, and I wanted you to sign it, too. Because the contract is not valid if both of them do not sign it. Because Varg had to sign it first, and then it would go to Aronimus and be signed. Mm-hmm. So he has this letter, which is all a ploy. And... Aronimus is going to his bedroom, and he's like, wait, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to get a pen to sign the contract. And he's like, oh, you're not going to get a taser so you can tase me and then torture me and murder me on a snuff film? And he's like, what the fuck? No, I'm not going to fucking do that. What are you fucking serious? And that's when Varg takes out his giant fucking hunting knife and just stabs him in the gut. Mm-hmm. And Aronimus is, like, caught off guard. He's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I'm not going to kill you. Why did you just stab me? And he barely stabs him again, but he catches it with his hand, and it slices his hand open. He's like, ow, fuck. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, you said you were going to kill me. And he's like, dude, no. 
you know, like, I'm not going to fucking kill you. And he's like, well, you know, you don't have to kill me. And he's like, yeah, I have to kill you. He's like, but why don't you just say, he's like, why don't you just stop stabbing me? We can forget about it. You can leave. And then he's like holding his gut and he's like, why don't we just say it's a publicity stunt that you try to kill me and then we decided to make an album together. And he's like, no, I came to kill you. And Ross is like, no, you don't have to do this. And so then he, Varg uses like great strength and just rips into his stomach. And Aronimus is like, ah, that hurt. Like, stop it. And then Aronimus is like, okay, we're going to do this. And he tries to get a knife out of the drawer, which he only gets like a measuring cups out. And he's like, fuck. And then Varg comes up and stabs him more into his back and his side. And then Aronimus is like, fuck, you're killing me. Like, I don't want to die. I need to leave. Like, let's just go. And when he runs to the door, Aronimus is, notices that the keys have been taken out of his door. And I think that's like a European thing. Because when I went to Germany, there's not locks. There's just keys. I think that's, you know, that part of Europe, they use their keys on both sides to lock and unlock. Oh. Like, there's not a, like, we have the deadbolt or latch or something. They have right. the keys. Because um, I remember being confused about that. Like, you left your fucking keys in the door. And I was like, well, that's where I leave them. And I'm like, you probably shouldn't. She's like, that's what we do. It is Germany. Um, But anyway, so he realizes the keys in his Yeah, we don't do that in America. Yeah, we don't we don't do that. I th- I think that's a that's a European thing cuz I always thought it was really strange. I'm like, but what if someone has to get in and the keys are on the other side where well, we can't get in? I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's confusing. So he's like, shit. Well, now my keys are gone. He's like, you looking for these? And then Bart decides to make like a chocolate drink or something. I don't know what that brand was, but it's like a mix between it's like chocolate or strawberry flavoring for milk it's like a child's drink i guess it's like, just like yeah it's sort of like nesquik he just makes some norwegian version of nesquik slowly while meanwhile Aronimus is bleeding out trying to get into his jacket in the closet to find his extra set of keys and struggling super struggling to get the keys into the door because he's bleeding out and then varg is drinking his drink and Aronimus is like, oh, fuck, I got to find the right key. My heart was pounding in the scene. I'm like, no, I know what's going to happen, but no, run. I know. <laughs> I'm like, maybe you can change fate. Like, stop. <laughs> and so Aronimus is struggling, and he, like, drops the keys, and then Bark is almost done with his drink, and he's, like, trying to fiddle the keys in there, and he gets the key in there, and then Bark comes up, he's done with his drink, and he just stabs him deeper and deeper each time in his chest and his back. And then he gets out the front door, and he, like, Aronimus runs to his neighbor's door and, like, help, help, he's killing me. And then Bar goes, help, help, he's killing me. And he's making the evil laugh again. Um, And this old lady, like, opens the door, and then Varg just uses his fucking giant-ass boot, because that dude's huge. He just, like, fucking slams the door in this lady's face as she was, like, trying to help him or see what was going on. And then Aronimus is saying, like, you know I wasn't going to kill you. I was just talking. Like, you know me. I'm your friend. And I think at that point, like, Varg had never heard him say her friends. 
like I feel like Varg was like kind of caught back at that statement. Um, like we're friends. Yeah, like oh shit, like I had a friend because Varg is pretty much an outsider to everything he ever fucking does. He, he, yeah, he's a loner. He yeah, because they call him Varg the lone the lone wolf, and I really think like. Vark just didn't know that they were friends. He thought he was his enemy and his, like, nemesis, and he had to defeat him before he defeated him. Like, it was a pissing match between them all the fucking time, like, ego battles. Um, so, so at that point, he kind of pauses and he says, I'm your friend, I wouldn't do that to you. And then Vark just continues to stab him in the back. And Aronimus is dying, and he's crying, and you can tell that Aronimus had all these plans, and you're like, shit, all those plans are gone. Like, he had a girlfriend now, he had, like, he put on fucking electronica, he cut his hair, he was wearing different clothing. Like, he was becoming a different person, he was letting go of this this chapter of his life, but Varg is just stealing that all from him. And he's just plunging this hunting knife, like, all the way to the fucking, oh, what are they called? The, the cuff of the knife? I don't know what they're called. The flat The part. hilt? The hilt! Yeah. He's just plunging it deeper and deeper. And Aronimus is kind of crying and kind of, like, dying. Like, you can see the blood pooling around him and the life going of away from his eyes. But he's still making kind of coughing noises and choking noises. Because you can tell Varg got him collapses long. And he's just, like... Dying and fucking Varg just takes his hunting knife and just plunges it directly into his skull, like with rage. Yeah, into the top of his head. Like, what is that? A five or six inch blade? Just fucking deep into his brain. And then Varg is like, "He's dead. I did it." And Varg just kind of looks shocked. He's like, "Shit, I gotta take the murder weapon. (laughs) This is my knife. I'm gonna be tied to this." And so he's, like, trying to pull it out of his skull and is, like, moving his body around. And, like, Aronimus is fucking dead, dead. And then he fucking uses his boot and, like, steps it on his skull and just pulls it out, releasing just a fucking massive amount of the spray of blood. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> it, was, it was just a lot of blood. It and was a lot of blood. It, it, he runs to the car and as the story wraps up, um, it's like real news stories happening. Um, it shows the driver saying like, yeah, I watched, uh, Die Hard 2. And they're like, well, what's it about? And he's like, about a guy who dies twice. <laughs> and then you can see him Oy. running. Like, Varg is running from the police. They capture him. You can see like, uh, a Skarsgård guy going down. What is his name? Foss. False, yes. <laughs> Hold on. You never believe what happened. I'm stuck in my t-shirt. I can't, can't get my hands out. Oh, Morgan. Sorry. <laughs> I was uh, tickling my underarms and in my okay. t-shirt, and my hands are stuck in my sleeveies, and I can't get them <laughs> <laughs> My headphones fell off. Okay. All right. We're back. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> as... As like the new like the real news stories are playing, like it, it's showing that this this story is all over the world. That uh, Varg, the bassist, killed the lead guitarist of this 
Swedish black metal band. And it's just, it's in all different languages. It's like playing around the world. People are going to jail. All of the members, most of the members of Mayhem, all the ones in the black metal, or sorry, Swedish black metal scene are all going to jail. And Euronymous is like, and that's my story. It ended badly. Like I told you from the very beginning. Yeah. I got fucking murdered, man. It wasn't good. Yeah, no. You got real murdered. Like, the crime scene photos are fucked up. Yes, they are. All of the crime scene photos from all of these. Oh, yeah. Everything that happened (laughs) are really fucked up. It's really fucked up. Uh, So tell us some fun facts, Morgan. Um, So what's crazy about how well um, this, like... Uh, movie is put together. It was shot in 18 days. That's wicked fast. Yeah, that's that's really fast, especially being put together um so well. Like usually, I feel like 18 days is minute amount of time to do this kind of shooting and acting and filming, but it was all wrapped up in 18 days. Um, a lot of people gave bad reviews before it even was released. People were calling for it to be banned before it was even released. Like, come on. Give them. Yeah. Give like, I know off. it's a dark story, guys, but like, you know, yeah, get and, a chance. It, and, it, like, there was a lot of people who were pissed about it, and like I said, like, uh, Varg was really against it, of course. Um, but A lot of fans didn't want to watch it because they were worried of how it would make the band look. Yeah, and, um... There was actually uh, the Mayhem's Necro Butcher. Um, yeah. He actually came out with an interview saying he got physically sick um, watching I mean, the the murder scene. Yeah, I mean, I mean, me too, man. Yeah, he, he said, like, everybody was, like, ah, we're kind of hesitant about making a movie. And, um... Like, Ockerlin came to him, and he told him to fuck off. And he was like, no, um, they're going to base it on the book. And he thought it was completely, complete nonsense and saying that he would be slandered and he didn't uh, want the study being, or the story being published and definitely not turned into a movie. Um, but he said when he did watch it that he was like, well, the movie's coming out anyway. And that has been released, so I guess I'll just watch it. And he said he actually got physically sick in the murder scene, the last scene. So. Yeah. He also just said that even though it was really well made and all that, it was just sad and not a good movie to him. <laughs> yeah, and, and he I definitely said, get that as someone who's connected, you know. Yeah, it would and, just be sad. and he was all also pretty upset in the very beginning um about Euronymous's decision to put the um suicide of dead on their cover. Yeah. And like he really didn't want that to happen anyway. And I think all of this kind of made him feel sick. And he he said um he said when knowing uh, it says, before I saw, Jonas had told me he studied autopsy reports on both killings, and he had re- reconstructed the killing stab by stab because you can read from the autopsy where the first stab went in. When knowing that, and when I saw that, and it was slow, it was a slowed down scene, 
it was really quick. They drove out both scenes, and they were drawn out a little bit, and it made me sick to watch. I felt sick to my stomach when I watched that, and afterward, I felt completely empty inside and really down and like, fuck, it really hit me, actually. And I didn't want to talk to anybody the rest of that day, that's for sure. Like, it really... I mean, he was attached to all these people, like, these are his friends, and then, you know, reliving it, what is it, 20-something years later? Yeah, I mean, like, more than, like, 30 years later at this point, almost. Oh, oh my God, I'm old as fuck. Um, But, yeah, he, <laughs> he was, like, really disturbed by it, and he didn't like, you know, most of the things that either of the men did. Um, oh, yeah. So, both of, I, that fucking was a, a mixture of bad emotions for him like he was really not into the movie um and varg claimed that he was portrayed as a power hungry lunatic in this movie and he said it was a deliberate misrepresentation on a cultural <laughs> cultural misunderstanding for his passion in the 80s role-playing games i'm assuming like dungeons and dragons or something um, and, like, and like Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, I don't think that is true. Um, but he's saying that Borg is a is really into revisionist history when it comes to how things went down. It's crazy. He wants. He just he tells it the way he wants it to be perceived, not the way it actually happened. Yeah, not. I really think that the only people that were kind of like okay with this movie re- re- releasing um, was, of course, the director who was in the scene, but also Dead's brother. Um, he actually gave Jack Kilmer's character a pair of jeans that did belong to Dead. Oh, that's cool. And um, like all of the costumes that he wore were like. You know, like you said, the the black and stuff wasn't what he wanted to wear. But the only thing about his outfit were the jeans he wore because they were actually his jeans. Nice. So the brother was okay with that happening. Um, there was another um, – it, it was like fans and stuff that had come out and said they shouldn't make this movie. Um, but Jonas Ackerland, the director, he was – like preparing for this movie uh, like i said like years and according to imdb he prepared for 10 fucking years to make this movie well it was definitely um set to be filmed by someone else entirely uh somebody else was supposed to direct it originally and uh then they basically backed out and they he was that person was replaced with Auckland. Yeah, and they, they said he was getting prepared by releasing a whole bunch of short music videos, like as in movies. So he oh. was preparing for his uh, first feature in that way. But, you know, his first feature was technically spun. But he was getting ready for this movie for like 10 years because he really wanted to shoot. He really wanted to make this movie. And I think that's why they released that um, Metallica music video so much earlier. Is that he was yeah. preparing for the movie? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's um, he, the, this scene is very close to his heart, and he has a, had a lot to do with it. Um, 
peripherally, so I can see why it would be important to him that he tell the story. Yeah, that the um so back to fun facts. Um during the montage this is on IMDB, I'm taking it directly. Um during the montage Oyston Arseth is seen walking past a record store that reads Nesplot. Nesplot is a record store that moved into the location of the real Helveti in 2013, 20 years after it was closed down. And it was located at Schwarzgard Gate in 56 in Oslo. Um, don't know what that means, but I included it. <laughs> um, you know those, those names. I, I do. do. It's Austin. <laughs> what I say, Austin? Something like that. Jane Austin Arseth. <laughs> yeah, Austin is Uranus's real name. Oh, Austin. Yeah, I would have. I bush. Um, and also well, according sometimes, to sometimes huh? when I was when I was researching, sometimes when I was like driving in the car or showering and doing things where I couldn't read my physical book, I listened to the audio book, so that really helped me with pronunciations. <laughs> That's that's pretty fancy. I that's a good idea. Yeah, I uh, eat, I ate, slept, and breathed this shit for uh, like ten days. So I think it was longer than that. Yeah, maybe maybe it was like a month. It was a long time. <clears throat> yeah, and um, there was another fun fact. Um, so the American actors in the film speak in English throughout and, uh, with their American accents, but because dead was Swedish and the rest of the members were Norwegian, they actually communicated with each other in English. Yeah. So, in real life. So yeah. it's kind of semi-accurate of that. Um, but also Jonas Ackerland in 2014, bought a church <laughs> one of these old ass norwegian churches um he said it was to protect oh, he said it was to protect the 120 years of the assembly's ownership um and members of the church because there was an active congregation they said they weren't worried about devil worship because it's it's an it is a great sadness for us to sell our church, but it feels good that it will be used for cultural activities and not to offices as some other buyers wanted. I don't know if he actually burned down that church in the movie. I cannot find anything that backs that up, but it's pretty fucking realistic looking. And I'm wondering if he bought that church so he could remake it and burn it down. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's a little far-fetched. I don't think he did that. Like, to burn it? I think it's... Yeah, no. I mean, I know he bought it, but I don't think he did it to... Yeah, I don't... I don't think he burned it. I don't think it's real. Like, there's literally nothing on... Like, I tried to find Burning Down Church. Like, I Googled it forever, and I really couldn't find anything about what church he bought, where the church is, but I know he bought a church, and he bought a 124-year-old church. Nice. Well, folks... I think we're going to have to make this episode a two-parter because we're only <laughs> the f- we're only on the first half, and at this point we've been recording for a little over three hours. Oh fuck! So um, yeah, we're gonna. This is gonna have to be a two-parter. Are so they still with us? Are they still with we us? We will. Yeah. So we will uh, bid you guys adieu until the next half. 
which should be out shortly after this one. All right. Well, that's all we have for you today. We love you. Kiss your animals. Kiss your kids. Uh, don't be murdered by maniacal black metal scene, guys. <laughs> Please don't hang cats and don't huff birds. Absolutely. That's the takeaway here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will be back for the second half of the Lords of Chaos episode soon. Oh, one more thing. If you want to watch it before the second half releases, it is available on Amazon right now. And Hulu. Ooh, and Hulu. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.